0: Yell at sends one the right center and get up fans, welcome to the Brewer's Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Perth You can read my articles by following Reeling the Brew on Twitter. And you can follow the podcast by searching at Trilogy underscore pod on Twitter. We tweet a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender, my cheesehead-loving buddy, is not joining me here tonight. I texted him earlier in the day today, and he was basically going in old man status at that point, said he did something to his back this weekend, wasn't quite feeling up to just sitting around for a 30 to 40 minute podcast, however long it is when we normally get together and talk, so recouping for the work week, I take it for him. So, you know, it's always funny, I always make fun of Trevor because he's He's the baby of our of our group. Out of all of our friends, at least when we were in the same grade in college, all of us that stuck together, he was always like the youngest one to finally reach their the their their birthday, like youngest one to turn 21, and etc. And so now that he's having back problems, I think it's funny to call him old man. And I was out here this weekend. My wife and I laid 150 bricks for our landscaping. So yeah, my back hurts a little bit too. Actually, it's more my hamstrings than anything, so yeah, definitely a very, very painful weekend for the both of us, it sounds like, but only one of us is here to stick it out and talk some brewers with you here today. We're going to go through some current events first, and then we're going to end with who's hot and who is not. Current events. I want to start with pitching prospect Antone Kelly. It was revealed this weekend that he underwent surgery and will not be ready for the start of minor league season. He has been at the Brewers training camp facility rehabbing from it. Unsure when that surgery happened, but it was for thoracic outlet syndrome. Put my medical field hat on now and explain thoracic outlet syndrome. It is if you take your hand and just go right on your collarbone and go below that, that is your thoracic outlet. There is a Plethora of nerves there that make up the brachial plexus. There's also a bunch of arteries there. And when that area gets angry or inflamed, all those things can come compressed. And you get a wide variety of symptoms relating to numbness, tingling going down your arm, fatigue, weakness, swelling. In Anton's Kelly case, it sounds like this actually started last season. He noticed some swelling in the pitching shoulder at the alternative training site. Just didn't feel any other symptoms besides, or see any symptoms besides that, so he kept going through it, and it sounds like one day he was brushing his teeth and got done and his hand was purple, and he's like, yeah, I had to report that to the medical staff because that's obviously a concern and not normal. Ended up undergoing the surgery, so hopefully not is all lost there with him in terms of this season. Sounds like he should make a return it is pretty common for pitchers to undergo that. You think of pitching prospect Bobby Wall. He has had that done. I mean, other you might hear people describe it as where like they decompress the first rib. That that's that surgery, thoracic outlet syndrome release. So uh, wishing all the best and speedy recovery there to Antone Kelly. On a more positive note, Lorenzo Kane and Devin Williams made their debuts this weekend. Kane looked good, said he is just, you know, a little sloppy, obviously offensively, and then getting his reads down in the outfield. See, he hasn't done that in game action in quite some time. He plans to be ready for opening day, that's what he said anyway, and then Devin Williams' debut I thought was actually very fascinating. The results weren't the best, but he was... He gave up a home run but he w- and reached his pitch count before he was able to get out of the inning, but he was messing around by throwing a slider. Yes, the reigning NL reliever of the year is messing around with a third pitch. So Williams afterwards said it's because he wants a third pitch in his back pocket, which is really smart because it shows that he is already thinking ahead to adapting on when the league figures out his changeup. You know, whether or not that actually happens or not to be determined, but Devin Williams is is planning on it, and he wants another pitch to be ready for when that day comes, and you could see maybe a little evidence of that. He was facing Mike Moustakis this weekend, and Moustakis was following off a bunch of change-ups. And then Williams ended up walking him. So having another weapon in there would be great. Whether or not he has enough confidence to throw it in the regular season or not, or if he actually even needs to, who knows. But he was touching 98 miles per hour this weekend. And it is expected that we'll see him at least another three to five times before opening day to get in his work to be ready for the regular season. With nine games remaining, if he's going to be in game action, we're going to be seeing a lot of them. Or if it's just going to be more some intra-squad scrimmage type stuff, I'm not really sure. But they said at least three to five more appearances what to expect out of Williams. But I am just really excited for the possibility of him adding another pitch. I mean, his changeup ready has elite spin rate, and it's so unique. I did not get a chance to visualize or see that slider because it wasn't on TV on Saturday night when he was pitching. But I can just imagine if he's able to create some unique spin on that, it's it's just going to look wild. And it's different because his fastball is obviously fairly straight. His changeup drops right off the table, but now he's adding a pitch with some horizontal movement as opposed to vertical movement like his changeup. I actually take that back because changeup has a lot of horizontal movement too, due to his spin rate. But it, it'll be moving the other way. So, just another tool for Devin Williams to utilize. Also, current event-wise, it was finally announced that Brandon Woodruff will be the opening day starter. I had kind of teased and entertained the idea that, hey, maybe Corbin Burns would get it. He was the true ace of the staff last year. I think his ceiling is potentially higher than Woodruff because... Burns did get Cy Young votes last year, and Woodruff did not, so I was like, why not give it to Burns? Obviously, Woody has a longer track record of being good. He broke the curse last year, which, you know, dates all the way back to, like, what, 2015? I think Kyle Loesch was the one who started the curse there, so... Of course, a Cardinals player comes back to haunt the Brewers in their dreams here. But yeah, it's good to see Woody get it. He obviously deserves it. I think if both pitchers pitch to their abilities that we know that they can do, the debate over whether or not Woodruff or Burns for, as an opening day starter next year might be a little bit more heated. So I was just kind of entertaining the idea this spring. Obviously, that would be a great position for the Brewers to be in is... Man, I don't know who our opening day starter should be. We got these two elite guys. Like that's fan freaking tastic, and that is the hope that next year Burns can push for that opening day starter role. Lastly, from a current event standpoint, we the Brewers did add some depth to their starting pitching staff. They signed Zach Godley. His base salary is going to be eight hundred thousand. There is a chance to I think double his salary and in incentives. He is a right-handed pitcher. He was obviously signed to a minor league contract. It includes a mid-May opt-out date. I specifically remember him most from his days with the Diamondbacks in those like, 2017 time frame where he had his best seasons as a starter in that regard. Unfortunately for him, over the last two seasons, he's possessed ERAs well over six, so luck has not been on his side as of late. From a pitching standpoint, though, Godley relies heavily on a very big swooping curveball, is able to add a cutter in there, so he obviously depends a lot on movement because he doesn't hardly ever throw harder than 90 miles per hour. Those are the two pitches you're going to see the most, so they were relying on that movement and location that's going to be the key to his success. And while this isn't a really big splash signing by any means, I kind of viewed this as a very, very cheap insurance policy for the Brewers. Obviously, I mentioned the opt-out date was in mid-May. And I think that's important to remember because there is still a chance this year that games could get postponed due to health and safety protocols. So if that does happen, and the Brewers end up having to play an influx of games, they have to go to a six-man starting rotation, having a veteran like Zach Godley to come in for a spot start, he's a good pitcher to have in your back pocket in case a situation like that arises. I by no means expect Zach Godley to get called up and enter the starting rotation because he's playing well. (laughs) I think we're well past his playing days in that regard. But if you would happen to need him, he is a nice pitcher to have down there. Obviously, Eric Lauer is already optioned to AAA, so you would have him as well. But we obviously know that has not been working out very well for him. So having this veteran over 30 years old who could come in, give you a spot if needed, And if by midseason everything's going smooth and hopefully there's going to be no postponements, then you cut ways with Zach Godley and the Brewers are out $800,000. Big whoop, that is pocket change to them. So very smart move, I think, here by Adnasio and Stearns. Good way to secure another starting pitcher in case they would need him. Lastly, we're going to go into who's hot. And who's not? So we're going to start off with Billy McKinney. He has just been off to, this is the complete opposite of what I said, a terrible start to spring training, but really heated up over this last week. Think back to Thursday's and Friday's games. He had three homers in two days. Obviously, he had one multi-home run game that was on Friday. So, finding a little bit of a power stroke here, but altogether, his spring training stats through Sunday are still all not that impressive. His slash line is 207, 258, 655, 913. Definitely not hitting for a high average, but when you have four home runs and a double, so five out of your six hits are going for extra bases, that's going to make your slugging percentage and OPS raise quite a bit. Throughout spring training so far, he's just been striking out a ton. So while I haven't been impressed with him overall, he is at least finding a little bit of a groove here towards the tail end of spring training. So good to see him come to life here. I think it's going to take a lot of luck and maneuvering for him to even make the opening day roster. Obviously, we know that the Brewers have a crowded outfield I think the best chance Billy McKinney has of making the lineup is, well, A, he has to keep playing well, and then B, I think the Brewers would have to option Urias to triple-A. That way they can keep Billy McKinney on the opening day roster because he is out of options. So if the Brewers decide he is not worthy of the active 26-man day roster, he would have to clear waivers to go down into the minor leagues. so he Or he could just choose to elect free agency and go somewhere else where he thinks he might get a MLB gig. Not quite sure what's going to happen there because he's one of those interesting guys where we traded for him this offseason, which was just really kind of puzzling at first. But David Cerns was part of the Astros team that drafted him. He was a former first-round pick. I think it was like 2014 And just hasn't found his groove yet in the MLB. So he certainly at that point was a guy that was kind of worth taking a little bit of flyer on. Then obviously when we signed Jackie Bradley Jr. that kind of changed everything. Really made me think, well why the hell did we even sign Billy McKinney? I think the chances of him making the opening roster are very bleak. And I would not be surprised to see him go. Unless of course he continues this hot streak that he is on. Another guy who is hot is J.P. Feierheisen. I can't believe that I haven't actually even talked about him at this point in spring training. And now today, out of all the days, I really want to talk about J.P. Fireheisen. On Sunday, he gave up his first hit and his first earned run of all spring training. So he's thrown 7.2 innings. Of course, that one hit he gave up today was a home run. But he has a spring training ERA of .39. In his 7.2 innings pitched, he has struck out 13 batters. As I mentioned, only gave up one hit. Has walked two. He has looked really, really good so far. I was watching him on TV the other day, and I always think of JP Fireheisen having that, you know, mid 90s fastball. That's what I think of him for. You know, Fireheisen bringing the fire, bringing the heat. But I saw him dropping some breaking stuff in there. It had to be a curveball, and I was like, whoa. Who is this pitcher? So he certainly was turning heads. He obviously made his MLB debut last year in front of no fans. That was kind of a big deal everyone was talking about. Certainly a contender to get one of the last spots in the bullpen. And when I get to who's not hot, uh, Brad Boxberger, you might understand why it's a very good chance J.P. FireEisen could make this team because Boxberger has just absolutely struggled so far this spring training. He has a 10.29 ERA in his seven innings pitched. He has given up eight earned runs. Today, he gave up another home run, so he's given up three all of spring training so far and it's really sad to see because this is a guy who I thought as a under the radar non-roster invitee signing like he's going to for sure make the team. He has closing experience. He hasn't been outstanding in recent years, but he hasn't been terrible. He's just been a pretty mellow average type player. He was like a candidate that where I thought, "Hey, this could be this could be this year's Phelps," right? Like just resurgent. Come on, maybe trade him Elias high value. And I don't even think he's going to make it out of spring training. That is the point where Brad Boxberger is at at this point so far. So really disappointed to see what's going on there with him. Don't anticipate, even if the Brewers do try to keep him in the minor league system, that he'll stick around. There's probably a team that will look at his you know average success throughout the majors and take a flyer on him. Probably one of those teams that's, not in contention, <clears throat> like the Pirates or something. <laughs> they would take a Brad burger for a season. Hope he does well. And like I said, trade him for value, as I thought maybe the Brewers could do similar to what they did with David Phelps last year. But man, disappointing stuff there. Hate to end the podcast on a gloomy note, but I ended with who's not hot. And that is the biggest... Sourness that I could find in the players at this point in time. So that is going to do it for me here today. There are nine spring training games left. Yes, just nine. Opening day is April 1st, so I will come out with a podcast again here in midweek. And then I think for next Monday's podcast, I want to do an opening day preview of some sort. Gonna put some feelers out to some writers for the twins, maybe from Fansighted. I'm going to do some scoping around see if we can get someone on there. That way we are ready to go for the twins come April 1st. So until I come out with my midweek podcast, I will talk to you later, Borough fans.